You sisters know that my skin has been glowing lately, and I'm here to tell you my secret. Oak Essentials. You've heard us talk about their line of luxurious products before, and we're so excited to have them as a sponsor of OK Sister Podcast because now you can join in on the glowy goodness. You know Oak Essentials is legit because it was created by none other than our favorite brand ever, Jenny Kane. Oak Essentials is known for its simple approach to self-care with a lineup of foundational skincare staples made with high-quality ingredients that drive results. It aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a luxe, dewy glow. I won't shut up about the Moisture Rich Balm. It's a nutrient-rich balm that supports collagen production and delivers serious hydration for a luminous glow. And a luminous glow indeed. The way my skin feels like butter after applying this balm. This balm will make you never want to wear makeup again. And you can apply generously during your night routine to lock in moisture as you dream. It's the definition of beauty sleep. Treat yourself or someone else this season. You sisters will get 15% off and a free organic honey-based restorative mask with their first order. Oh my God, what a deal. When you use code OKSIS15 at checkout. That's right. 15% off plus a gift with your first order at O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15. Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self care, you deserve it. Welcome to OKSIS. We are two cultural observers and curious minds who happen to be related. I'm Scout. And I'm Maddie. Get ready for some serious sororal energy as we chat about and comment on one another's current fixation of the week. Ready, ready sisters? sisters? Hello and welcome back to OK Sis. My name is Maddie. And I'm Scout and we are sisters IRL. What's up, Mads? I'm doing quite fabulously. Um, sat outside in the sun today, got a little vitamin D. You know, there might be a, a burn, a sun burn, but we're good. It's going to turn into a tan and we're going to go into summer 2020. It's good. Yeah, you know, you've been in San Diego for a little bit. We're not together right now, but you've been in San Diego for a little bit and uh, you have not been working on your tan, which was originally the plan coming down here. Yeah, that was uh, the goal was I wanted to go back to L.A. as a golden princess. And, um, you know, I've just realized that I fucking hate tanning. You know what? I don't. It is so boring. And now that I read on my iPad, the iPad gets so hot that it just like it says you know that thing where it says it's too hot you have to put it in the shade for it to cool down yeah no that's why I I mean yes I hear you I we've never been tanning people I don't think we've ever tanned in our life like you we never did it and now you're right now we read on iPads and we're just specifically bougie like that and the tanning doesn't really it doesn't really uh work into it very well yeah it's not conducive to our lifestyle at the moment but I'm gonna keep trying um you know, I just, I, I love that. I love the golden glow, the fresh tan glow. So we're, we're getting there. Okay. Well, you can just use Lux Unfiltered and call it a day. This is true. Um, okay. So Scout and I um, both watched a documentary over the weekend called 13th by Ava DuVernay. Um, it probably has been one of the 
most recommended documentaries um, from the past week in terms of um, resources that white people can watch as well as obviously black people but especially white people just to better understand uh, mass incarceration and the prison system and essentially um, um, one we urge everyone to take time to watch this documentary if you haven't done so already it is profoundly important and relevant um, scarily is that a word whatever scarily re relevant to this current time it was it was a documentary made in 2016 and honestly it, it could have been made in 2020 and which is so devastating and heartbreaking um that nothing has changed over the past four years uh i, I mean over the past <laughs> century but specifically this movie since it's since it was released literally there has not been any change and it it's really devastating so um you know my biggest takeaway and we also have been having family discussions a lot of our family um on our stepfather's side lives in england uh most of the children are asian half asian half english and so we have been dedicating um sunday mornings to having family discussions around race, around uh, what it means both in America and also the UK, which has been kind of a refreshing perspective that we haven't seen or I haven't seen on social media because um, there is injustice there as well. It's not just prim primarily focused in America. And this this documentary, you know, it just made, it made me realize, it illuminated how much, and I said this in our, our Instagram stories, like, slavery has is is continues today it just doesn't look like what we think slavery is it has been covertly disguised as this prejudice towards black people labeling black people as second class citizens and shuffling them into the prison system in order to be enslaved and Innocent or innocent or guilty. There's a very, very right. powerful point in this documentary that explains how many innocent individuals, primarily in the black community, end up going into the jail system as innocents, as innocent. Yeah. Um, so that was really illuminating and fucked, in my opinion. And also just the fact that racial injustice is embedded in our constitution. It is, it is the making of greed politics it is the doing of actual bills that are put in place without the foresight of what that could mean yeah so i mean the documentary was extremely illuminating in how rhetoric laws bills and how potentially just because you don't use the word slavery doesn't mean or racism doesn't mean that inherently underlying these bills and laws um, are racist agendas and are racist intentions. So we highly recommend everybody watch this video. Um, our family is watching two documentaries a month right now to educate. So one week we watch a documentary, the next week uh, we take action steps towards that. So we are figuring out action steps to um, help combat mass incarceration and help um, 
essentially reform the jail system since it is extremely privatized and capitalism based. I am a huge capitalist. I'm a big fan of capitalism, but this is a really great example of where capitalism has gone too far and has put the prospect of people's lives over capital gains. So um, highly recommend. Watch it. Yes. Um, we also wanted to, Wait. well, I don't want to talk about it so much. I want them to watch it. It's really freaking amazing. I know. Wait. Well, yeah, I, I also want to highlight a few other resources or shows to watch because although, you know, we put together that anti-racist resource page, which is in our link in bio, and it has all of these um, really, really educational and, you know, I mean, pretty devastating documentaries and, and resources for you to educate yourself, which are very, very important, of course, and um, a lot of books too. But I also think it's it's really powerful for us to see different perspectives and also see the Black experience in a more humanizing way. I don't know if I'm saying this right, but I, I want to encourage everyone to watch shows like Black AF, Insecure, blackish where you might these these shows aren't really being recommended because they're not like quote-unquote educational but I would beg to differ because every single episode of these types of shows actually highlights and empowers and lifts up the lifts up the black experience and shows you some humor in their experience and how they are normalized and it they're just a incredible shows so I would highly recommend people you know check those out instead of you know if you're if you're kind of being like oh this is so much doubt it's just like a lot of heaviness which is obviously important there's some brevity and some amazing black content that you can watch to kind of alleviate some of this pressure and still feel like you're educating yourself while having fun yeah I agree and something that's gotten me through this week which might sound really silly but just listen to me when when I say this is that in Avenue Q there's a song and it goes everyone's a little, little bit, bit racist, racist. racist sometimes, sometimes. Doesn't, doesn't mean, mean we mean we go, go around committing you're you're ruining this for me we're not well, on saying I'm trying to sing a song with you I'm trying to sing with you but Zoom is really hard to sing together okay let me sing it by myself okay <sighs> start over Everyone's a little bit racist sometimes. Doesn't mean we go around committing hate crimes. If we all could just admit that we are racist a little. Shut the fuck up. What's the next line? Even if we that it's wrong. Uh, everyone's a, a racist anyways oh. so that okay, song Scout. okay next time you want to sing a song please look up the lyrics so we do not have to put this on our listeners okay sorry anyways so that's been really resonating with me because I think there is a thing for everybody to say I'm not racist I'm not racist but I think what Mads and I really illuminated in our last episode with Dom is that we all we all harbor societal racism and if we could just admit that we could all take the next step to demolishing this shit and you know rising up not only the black community but all minority communities so we talked a little bit on the last podcast about um our commitment to doing so we are really excited and kind of 
I think our eyes have been opened past the the idea of you need a diverse um, portfolio, you need diverse guests, you need diverse models, or this idea of tokenism that Dom really talked about. But Mads and I have had some conversations, and we're stoked about the guests we're about to bring on in the next few months. Like they come from a very wide variety of backgrounds, race, religion, um, all that good stuff. So that is an OKSIS guarantee. Um, and I'm really excited. Like I, we're genuinely excited about it. Like we we're really stoked to bring some of these women to light, some of the businesses they own, the brands they own, all that good stuff. So thank you for standing with us sisters. Thank you for reposting our last episode so much. Thank you for reaching out to Dom. Thank you for doing your part and standing with us during this time. We appreciate it so much. And we're proud. Like I posted on my Instagram stories, like everything's really heavy, but I was so grateful because the America that I'm proud of is the America that we saw show up this week. So we want to continue showing up. Um, We will be back to posting silly photos of us, but we are going to be holding this in the forefront of our mind and in our hearts as we move forward, not just with OKSIS, but throughout our personal lives as well. Amen. Sister, you said it. Flawlessly, I would like to point out that I think the word of this podcast is illuminating. Oh, illuminating. Because we have said it maybe 50 times. Here, okay, it says, it says, doesn't mean we go around committing hate crimes. Look around and you will find no one's really colorblind. Maybe it's a fact we all should face. Everyone makes judgments. Do, do, do. Based on race. Incredible. Thank you for doing the research um, so that our listeners could have the utmost level of premium entertainment. Um, you have said that I am the best singer in the world. So I don't know why you wouldn't let me sing it, but it's fine. Because I brought this to the forefront, not you. I did. So I wanted my moment. Okay. Got it. Um, oh, wait. Before yes. we go on, I have to read this. We got a review and you know we love our reviews this is potentially the best review i've ever seen um it's by aubrey chavez and aubrey dear aubrey said i listened to 113 episodes in nine days nine days is that crazier than maddie watching game of thrones in two weeks I'm an avid podcast listener, but this is the type of podcast you can't stop listening to. I would listen while cleaning, sitting outside, on my way to work, and more. I will definitely be recommending this podcast. Thanks, Scout and Maddie, for making an incredible pod. XOXO. Aubrey, those nine days of binging OK Sis, you cannot get that back, and we appreciate it. I don't think it's as crazy as me watching Game of Thrones in three weeks, honestly. I don't know. She binged every single one of our episodes in nine days. In nine days. Okay, well, shout out to Aubrey. We love you. Okay, yeah, shout out. Thanks for the dedication, girl. Okay, real quick, Scout here. I just want to talk to you, sisters, about Premium Jane CBD, which is the OKSIS approved CBD. I, as you know, suffer from bipolar disorder and have a lot of anxiety. So CBD has been one of the best resources to just calm me out, chill me out, let me go to sleep, all of the good things. But quality CBD is actually very difficult to find. And so when Premium Jane reached out to us, I was like, let me test it out. And it works. I couldn't sleep one night, reached over, had some Premium Jane CBD, fell right asleep five minutes later. So why we love Premium Jane CBD is number one, it works. Number two, they have so many different ways you can take it. They have their oil, which is my favorite. They have capsules. They have topicals. 
And they have CBD gummies, which is Mad's favorite. And they're super fucking cute. Like, it looks good on your nightstand. It's chic. It's cute. You know, we're all about that branding. So Premium Jane has all of that. So if you are interested in just calming down, I know it's been a rough few months, a rough few weeks. Anxiety's high. Emotions are high. All of that. It's time to employ all the tools we have. And Premium Jane CBD is where it's at for me. It's a non-negotiable. I take it every single night before I go to bed and in the morning if I feel like my anxiety is really creeping in. So... Go to premiumjane.com and enter code OKSIS for 15% off. That is premiumjane.com. Enter code OKSIS for 15% off. And you can get that link also in our show notes. Happy CBD taking, sisters. Let's get this show on the motherfucking roll. Shall we talk about some housekeeping stuff? Did you just say show on the motherfucking roll? Yeah. Uh huh. Is that not the right word? No, it's show on the motherfucking road. Let's get this show on the motherfucking road. (laughs) Ever since having a baby, I've been extremely conscious about what I spend my money on and which products I use. And clothing is no different. I want my wardrobe to be sustainable, good quality, and timeless. You have to be talking about Whimsy and Row, right? Whimsy and Row is an LA-grown, eco-conscious brand born out of the love for cute, comfy, and classic styles. Every piece is made by women for women. Quality goods, local production, natural and organic fabrics. Yes, please give me all the linens. Just like OK Sister, Whimsy and Row is based on the idea that women are multidimensional. There's a balance of flirty feminine and minimal masculine in all of our wardrobes, and Whimsy and Row means exactly that. From special occasions to everyday effortless styles, their clothing is meant to mix and match and wear on repeat. I have been wearing their Kira pant in black linen probably three times a week. Sisters, if you've been listening to this podcast or following me on Instagram, you know that Whimsy and Rose Kira Pant in Black Linen is a sisterhood staple at this point. Founder Rachel Temko created the brand back in 2014 because she wanted to create an approachable and inclusive brand that cared for the people and the planet first. Get the full Whimsy experience IRL at their Venice location or shop online at whimsyandrow.com. Their store in Venice is so cute. I can attest. And if you're in LA, I highly recommend stopping by. They are always putting on these amazing community events. They just launched their spring summer collection and we will be living in it all summer long. Visit their website, whimsyandrow.com. That's W-H-I-M-S-Y-A-N-D-R-O-W.com and use code OKSISTER for 15% off. Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie. Like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans 
jeans and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once, the white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless designs. You can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS, O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Um, all right, housekeeping. Um, ladies and gentlemen, probably just ladies because um, the only two guys that listen to this podcast are our boyfriend and husband. So... We have a newsletter. It comes out every Monday in conjunction with our new episodes. And on those uh, newsletters, you can find a little snippet about what's happening in the world, some products that you must have. And also, I'm, we're, I wanted, I'm just going to say this, we're pledging also to highlight Black-owned um, products, Black-owned black owned businesses that feature products that we love in this section, as well as uh, inspiring quotes and um, a little blurb about our current guest. Now, oh, ooh, we have a big update. Actually, this is a big update. <laughs> what is it? I don't even know what you're about to say. I know. So um, I took it upon myself. Oh, my to, God. Oh, my God. What did to, you do? To kick off Scout uh. of our OKSIS podcast TikTok. Because well, fuck you. Listen, fuck well, you. listen to my reasons. So... I am very invested in becoming a TikTok influencer. It's I think it's like gonna be the medium that makes me go big, that makes me famous, that just is that makes Maddie Mayo's n- name shine in lights on top of the Chrysler building. So, I just realized that maybe people aren't liking our stuff because our name is at OKSIS Podcast. And like, it's not really cool to have podcast TikToks yet. Maybe we were going to be like the trailblazers, but you know what? I'm not here to like lose followers because we were going to be the first movers. You know, first movers advantage is actually a hoax. So I changed it to Maddie Mayo because um, I was putting the content on my back, let's be honest. And um, you can probably, and Scout now has her own TikTok at Scout Sobel and you can follow her for like mental health stuff. I think that's like a really good angle for her to go in because like the dances are just not her jam and it's just not working for her. I'm just gonna let her her know that now. I'm gonna beg to differ. I'm gonna beg to differ, keep going. So so everyone, please follow me at Maddie Mayo. Um, Or if you were following OKC's podcast, it is now at Maddie. Mayo. Um, it's going to be a single woman, a one woman show moving forward. Um, and I think it's a great, um, a great move for our business. Okay. Well, everyone go follow me at Scout Sobel. Um, debatable if you want to follow Maddie. Moving on. Uh, we have merch with Girl Gang the Label, uh, link, in bi- link in bio, link in show notes to purchase. We got bucket hats. We got sweatsuits. We got mugs, totes. It's fucking bomb. We love it. And all the proceeds last week uh, went to the Black Lives Matter movement. So that's also a huge win-win. And you can follow us on Instagram at Podcast and join our secret Facebook group, OK Sisters. And of course, you can rate us five stars. But let's talk about Cynthia. 
shall we? Let's talk about Cynthia, our guest of the week. Okay, this week we had on the vibrant, the effervescent, the lifestyle blogger, attorney, social influencer, Cynthia Andrew. She has um, a website called Simply Sin. It's also the name of her Instagram handle. And if you go over there, you're going to immediately just like get a smile on your face. If you're looking for any positive injection in your day, head over to Simply Sin on Instagram. She was such a delight. We talked about um, her pregnancy. She is pregnant with two with two twins with twins. Um, so she was glowing. And, you know, we talked obviously about the state of the world and her her uh, observations about what has been happening, but also kind of tapped into her business. I mean, how she juggles being a lawyer as well as an influencer, and then kind of how she started to get these incredible brand deals so that she could travel the world. I mean, she literally travels at brand's expense. And like, she just, she tells you, walks you through like step-by-step how she got there. And she was a delight. We love her. Yeah, and I think what I was so interested about, um, like, talking to her is that she is a very successful, could be a full-time influencer, but she chooses to be an attorney by day. And so there's two parts of her brain that kind of like, you know, the structure of a nine-to-five and then the creative freedom of being an entrepreneur. And it's really rare that you find someone that that possess both both of those ambitions together. So in that sense, um, I thought she was incredibly interesting in that point. So I think you guys are going to love her. She's she's a doll. And enjoy, sisters. Cynthia Andrew is a vibrant lifestyle blogger, social influencer, and professional attorney. Her website, simplysin.com, covers all things food, fashion, travel, and music. You can't miss her Instagram because of her bold use of color, fun prints, and feminine, carefree style, where she showcases all of her travels and documents her pregnancy journey with twins. Without further ado, Cynthia. Hey. Hey, guys. Oh, my God. This is great. Thanks so much for having me on here. Of course. And first of all, if Mads and I were pregnant with twins, our face would be so fat. Like the fact that your <laughs> face looks that good is just appalling. Sorry. You don't think your oh face is going to get fat? No, I'm agreeing um, with you. My, yeah. my face would be, I was even talking about right now before we started. I was like, oh my God, I need to like get a jade roller up in here. I look so bloated. What is happening? So you look well, beautiful. I, I feel bloated. So thanks for saying that I don't look it, but I feel... I feel heavy, um, especially when I get up. It's like sometimes you sit for a while and then you get up and you're like, whoa, this is not normally how much I weigh. But yeah. How Thanks. many weeks pregnant are you? I am 28 weeks and two days. They are very exact with this thing. Yeah. <laughs> how many, wait, how many months is that? I can't do the weeks thing. Oh, Lord, you're messing me up. I actually don't know what that is. Why are you going to, they don't tell you in months, they tell you in weeks. My math. I went to law school, so I wouldn't have to do math. So, like, somebody do the math. It's not going to be me. That is so weird because we all know nine months. Like, why did we turn to weeks? Like, that didn't – that doesn't make any sense. You know what's actually funny is that everyone says pregnancy is nine months until you get pregnant, and then they tell you it's 40 weeks, which means it's actually 10 months. Why don't they tell you that? <laughs> Why are they lying to us? Also, do you want to know what I hate? Yeah. And you I, you might do this, so I apologize if this is offensive. I hate it when people are like, my kid is 26 months. I'm like, no, your kid's fucking two. Your kid yes. is two. Your kid's two. 
You know what I now understand? I think what happens is if they go to a pediatrician or they go to like doctor's appointments, that's like the way they measure, you know, like I feel like that has to come from somewhere because who in their right mind would be counting in months? Like that's just not how we live. Like the same thing with my pregnancy. Like I'm only counting in weeks because every time I go in, they're like, so you're 28 weeks today. So maybe that's what happens with, with kids because why would you say... It's like you're one and then you're two and then you're three. Like yeah. that's how we do age. Exactly. Yeah. Um, excuse me, that's how we do age. So yes. PSA. <laughs> um yeah. all right. So before we get into everything simply sin, let's yeah. do current fixations. Okay, so um my current fixation I wanted to highlight a beautiful black woman this week. Her name is Sophia Rose. She's been one of my favorite wellness influencers that I've been following for a really long time. She has an incredible history with the foster care system. Um, and so she kind of brings this added element of what she's been able to go through and, and kind of who the woman she is today. Um, other than her wellness tips and tricks, which I've been reading for years now, um, I have curly hair and I just started wearing it curly because of quarantine because dry bar closed. So I am so envious of her hair. Like the fact that she can pull off curly hair bangs is another situation. We were talking about how at my bat mitzvah, I had curly bangs and believe me, it did not look anything like what Sophia Rowe has been able to do. I can imagine that that's like very specific. You really got to get that right. Like you could mess that up so easily. Yeah. And she pulls it off flawlessly. I just, I just don't get it. She's so pretty. I don't understand. Anyways, I love her. She's great. Check her out. Mads? Yeah. Um, okay. My current fixation. I must have had this as a current fixation, but it's on top of my mind because um, the new season of, or there is an ongoing season of Insecure happening right now. And. I would just like to highlight um, the latest- You just stole my fixation. Ah! Okay, well, the thing is, we probably have the exact same commentary, which is um, this last episode between Issa and Lawrence, a.k.a. Jay Ellis. That was everything. I- Okay, so right that was that was that was everything, just for the record. That was everything everything for me. I, I, I'm not even ashamed to say it. I've watched that episode three times. I watched it twice in the same night. And then the next morning I watched it again. And then just to be sure that I really understood everything that happened. (laughs) um, Jay Ellis, Lawrence, the character is Lawrence. um, He mentions that he bought a ring for Issa. I went back to season one, episode five. They actually went shopping for rings. I had forgotten. So it was like, Oh, they did go shopping for rings. Yeah. There was so much just history being mentioned. And, you know, I actually thought they were going to fuck us and and just not not have them hook up at the end. And I was like, don't you dare. Don't you dare. The whole time. I've never been so nervous about a hookup. I was like, is this my personal relationship? I was like, oh, my God, I'm all sweaty. Like, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? And I, I think we all needed that. That was like the best. It was a tough day. It's been like a tough few days and everything had been so heavy and just needed something just to like, yeah. So girl, I'm mad that you're like stealing my fixation because that's literally where my head's been at. 
we could we could share the same thing station. It is. I mean, Scout needs to get on the insecure bandwagon. I don't. I've been telling her this for years. Yeah. Like, you. I mean, you. The amount of content you tell me I have to watch is so know. exhausting. Right. You know. Exactly. No. Insecure is should be on the top of the list. Issa Rae is yes. a fucking genius. And I, so I'm good. a big. I'm such a fan of hers. But I just. I, I'm not really a big TV watcher, and I'm always. <gasps> I'm always behind Mads. I'm never yeah. on the pulse, and it's just. But it's a small, it's a small commitment. They're thirty-minute episodes, or like maybe even twenty. Well, actually, the last one was a little longer than usual. Yeah. Here's yeah. the problem: is that my husband and I watch TV together, and so Ooh. we kind of have to agree on certain things. So, like, super. I feel like insecure is more more women focused. No, 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 no. It's no. not. No. Okay. okay. No, 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 no. You, he will love it. I promise you. Just. Just fucking watch one episode. Just, just and you'll watch see. watch one episode and you'll see. And okay, I actually yeah. do think it gets better. So it's like, like just yeah, you gotta try it. It's so good. It's just so okay. well written, so smart, so funny. And there's a reason a bunch of us are going crazy. Like literally, when I posted that this was like everything I needed, I just got flooded with DMs of people who were like same 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 so yeah i texted my boyfriend right after i'm like the last episode of insecure i'm not well like lawrence uh, lawrence i think is now in my top five of of, like upgraded like something happened like like all of a sudden all of us are looking at lawrence like "Mm." i even had to tell my husband i was like yo this whole situation is you know i'm just letting you know and he's just laughing at me because you know, my husband, he's not a big TV head. So I'm just, I usually sit here by myself laughing out loud all by myself. So, <laughs> Well, we stand Lawrence, we stand Issa and Insecure. Um, yeah. And that is Cynthia's current fixation as well. So, which, you know what? It, it deserves a double current fixation. So we're, we're fine. Yes, double. Love it. And I will catch up eventually on everything <laughs> that I have to watch. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to do a little transition. Um, we, yeah. You mentioned that the past few days have been very, very heavy. Um, we just released yeah. an episode on Sunday speaking with um, a recent influencer that has just been um, really big on social media during this time. Her name is Dom Roberts, and um, we talked a lot about white privilege and anti-racism and kind of mm, Scout and I were very, very honest and raw about uh things that we still have to learn and shortcomings that we've had in the past um so we thought it would be a disservice not to speak on it because i think it is just something that has been really rooted in this week and we obviously would love to hear your thoughts and what what your mental state has been like this past week um I think honestly, at the start, when you see something like the, you know, the videos. So I think we had a string of videos and it's not the first time. Like if you go through history, you know, violent, you know, un- unjustful killings of black men and black women, um, you know, everything from Trevon case to, you know, if you even go back to the 90s, there's like a long history of all of these things happening. And then now you have a situation where we're ready dealing with so much you know and then we're hit with covid and we've been dealing with coronavirus for i don't know is it three months like since march you know and then you see the george floyd tape 
you see the Ahmad Arbery, which had happened just prior, you see the Amy Cooper. It's all these things that honestly, for me, I was just so angry. Like there's just all this anger and, you know, frustration because you just don't understand how you could survive in a place where you feel so undervalued, where your humanity is so undervalued that when you're expressing outrage, there's people who are telling you not to be outraged. And so what really started with a lot of anger and sadness, because, you know, people, you know, George Floyd, you could see his daughter, like he lost his life, you know, so you're angry and you're sad and everything. And now we have this movement. And really what I've been trying to do is, in as much as you can try to take the most negative thing in the world and turn it into something slightly positive, is watching this movement grow, watching this like racial awakening and seeing so many people say, wait a minute, like for so long, my eyes were not open and now my eyes are open and I can see. And really trying to truly believe that this time is different because it's at a scale that to be quite honest, I don't think I've seen it at this scale before. I've not seen it globally at this scale. I've not seen it on social at this scale. I've not seen it with brands and companies and people speaking out. And I, if nothing else for that, for all the people who've lost their lives and they shouldn't have, but if we are finally getting to a point where there is this like turn where people are like, cause it really, it's about adjusting how folks see and understand what black people have been talking about for a long time. It's not today that Black people have said, you know, the world's not fair. We don't get treated equally. It's, you know, there's more violence. There's more of us being killed. It's not the beginning. But if this is really like a true awakening, then, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that that's what it is. That it is a real awakening and that we will be better for it and that we will learn how to live with each other better and we will understand each other. Um, I have to be positive. I, I can't look at it any other way I'm trying yeah, your your I mean your patience is truly admirable um and not deserving not deserving, not deserving of it so I think something that I want to make very clear to our white listeners is it is not on our black friends to educate us on systemic racism and white privilege and the racial injustice that is embedded in our country that is it's not on our black friends to do that work for us and I think that's something that I've really really learned in the past couple days is although you're you might be sincere in reaching out and saying how can I help or what can I do honestly you can fucking google it like or go to the link in our bio exactly so that's we have a whole fucking resource for you for you all Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Like, I, I, so that's why, I mean, I, I compiled a whole list for, for uh, anti-racism resources for white people specifically, and it's by white yeah. people because we don't, it's not the responsibility of black people to teach us. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I know it's a hard truth for our white listeners to come to terms with, but that it, it, the education has to be within. It has to be yeah. self-reflection. It's individualistic. So, Although we wanted to ask you how you're doing, I just want to make it clear that we don't we don't 
look to you as like speaking for all black people and like help us help us know what you feel yeah you know and i and i couldn't even do that justice i mean i couldn't possibly speak for all black people as you can see um throughout this movement different black people feel differently about what's the best way to be an ally and this is why it is important that it happened with white people you know like talking to each other and saying, you know, this is the kind of person I am, and this is the best way that I, this individual, can be an ally, and this is the way I, this other person, can be a better ally, because, you know, I just couldn't do it for anyone. So I appreciate that you are having that conversation separately with your audience, and to be honest, there's also a fatigue. It's just like, where do I begin? Like, I don't even, I'm tired. Yeah. And and also on on that note, I think that when you were talking about the awakening that's happening, I think that what Mads and I are trying to do is, yeah, all these things are great. These emails, these petitions you can sign, which we're really, you know, urging our community to do. But at the end of the day, I really would like to take this moment to challenge our white listeners to see where you're racist because I'm seeing all these white people post I'm not racist, but it's okay to admit that there was systematic prejudices that have been implanted into our mind that are so acute and minor but they build and so you can be a good person and have good intentions and want and still have bias and still yeah. yeah and so I think that not only should we be sending emails and calling and doing all these things we need to do inner work on an individual basis and so I think that's yeah. the difference between this movement and and the others I, I don't know and, I, and I'm going to speak specifically to to white women or non-black women, but I think that it's it's not, and I'm not trying to compare and say they're the same or do any kind of hierarchy, but just to understand if you ever had the frustration as a woman in a space occupied by a lot of men who don't get what you're talking about and think you're just making it up, that frustration, just multiply that by so much more. And then you'll understand why it's like, you know, and you you could try to tell a man like, wait a minute, like things are not fair here. We we don't get paid the same, and the expectations of us in society aren't the same. So that is an imperfect analogy, but if if, if it helps you kind of see that, just because you're in your you may be in a bubble and it's impossible to see what the other person is talking about, it doesn't mean that what they're saying is untrue. Amen. That's a really that's a really good way, because I think that metaphors like that help us at least put ourselves in in the perspective of somebody else. And checking also, I think that um, privilege has so many layers. Um, You know, not only are we privileged by the color of our skin, but we're also privileged that we are white females because black females are even more oppressed. It's just although you feel like you are oppressed because you're a female, like check those layers or socioeconomic status there's there's a whole fucking lot that goes into this yeah please read a book let's open a book guys yes we got this we're in it together we're good um yeah and and honestly if we if we do this right if we can really truly be allies i mean like we could really make this world so much better and i think unfortunately and something i hope for in the future is that you know every time there's one group out there that's a marginalized community or a group that's like being treated unfairly we all got to show up for each other and it's unfortunate that for so long we always have these conversations if there's a women's movement it's over here if there's a black lives matter movement it's over there and you know i think it's like we we've lost the sense of really seeing like just the humanity in in each other and and the fact that if you've ever experienced 
you know, being the one at the short end of the stick, then you should understand when somebody else is saying that that's what's happening to them. And, you know, I, I do hope that moving forward, we, we can definitely step into these things together. I'm seeing some of that when I watch the protests, I'm seeing people out there and I'm giving everyone who's out there the benefit of the doubt that they're being honest and truthful and they truly want to be part of um, this movement. Well, thank you for, for speaking on that. I know that it's yeah. tiring and exhausting yeah. and heavy and, and all of the things. And I mean, it's, finding the it's right also words. Therapy. It's also therapy. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I know finding the right words on our end is difficult, but that's yeah. not shying us away from yeah from figuring having, this all out. Having and those tough conversations. But um, let's talk about yep. more you. fun stuff. So Yay. you're... First of all, just if anyone has not seen Cynthia's Instagram, if you just want like a smile embodied in an Instagram, go to Cynthia. Also, Cynthia, we should we should tell you that we are color phobes. We don't wear I don't wear an ounce of color like red. So this is is your color scheme. The white and gray. Is that gray or what is that color? This is gray and and black and black. (laughs) We are monochromatic bitches. So. Going to your profile, sorry, our, our dog, going to your profile was jarring, but in the most soothing way. It is so It looks violent. like a Vogue photo shoot. Yes. It, it wasn't like an assault on your life. <laughs> no. Like, oh my God, what is this? Our eyes. It made your me nervous eyes. to think about posting a photo like that on my feed because yeah. it's just, I don't know if I could wear the things you wear, but it is amazing. Really? So talk to us about the evolution of your Instagram, your blog, and, and yeah. how you've kind of adapted this incredible aesthetic and, and vibrancy for life. Oh man, life is funny. Um, honestly, I was supposed to have a very like traditional, I mean, I went to school for a traditional career. I went to law school. My dad's a, dad's a lawyer. Uh, my mom, you know, went to business school. My sister went to business. We're just very, my background is West African, Cameroon. And really my upbringing was all about being like very like get into a profession and work and that's it. And I tried, you know, I did that part, but I just felt really not fulfilled. There was like a part of me that I felt like I needed a creative outlet. And so I just started blogging, what is, is it 10, 11 years ago? I started just sharing things I liked, you know, just, I, I didn't think anybody was paying attention. And quite frankly, everybody who started a blog back then, it was not a business thing. It was just kind of like, I'm going to have a blog that my friends are going to visit. Um, And so I did that for a while. And at first, like my focus kind of shifted through the years. And I finally settled on Simply Sin because I wanted something that I could say was just me, which is it's things I like. So I could switch up whatever it is I wanted to talk about very easily. I could go from travel to fashion to, oh, I love this music to, oh, I love this home decor. I can talk about anything that Cynthia thinks is, you know, fun. And so I, I named it Simply Sin. And it honestly did not become a business until the last uh, four years. And that's because the industry kind of changed. It, it just, it's like, if you were in the space, you, w- you would really notice, and I don't know if, who you, if you've spoken to a lot of people about like a, a change at a time when things kind of flipped. And I would say that was like 2016 where it went from being a hobby to a business and then like over the last two years like a real intense business 
So yeah. do you practice law anymore? So yes, I, well, I, I did up until about two years ago where I moved out of our legal department and I moved into compliance. Um, I really enjoyed doing compliance and just to simplify compliance, it's just like making sure people are doing what they're supposed to. So it's a lot around ethics. It's a lot, a lot around like getting structures in place and getting controls in place. So most of it's 90, 90 to 95% of people who you would find doing compliance work are lawyers. There's attorneys who just kind of move from doing, you know, more traditional litigation type of work and they do compliance work. And then about six months ago now, I actually took a break from my job. I had to have a meeting with my boss because I had all these opportunities that had come up, a lot of them around travel. And there was just no way, because for all this time, I've always been doing both. I would run away on a trip and then run back in and like go to work. I would fly to Dubai and fly in and show up at work at like seven in the morning. And I realized that there were all these things that were going to happen, uh, mostly end of last year, early this year. And so I had a conversation. I said, I need a leave of absence. And, you know, I want to come back because I love this, but these are like once in a lifetime opportunities and I really want to be able to take them. And my boss was excellent. And she was like, of course, you know, again, I have 11 years of work experience with a lot of the same people. I've been with the same agency for a long time. So I've built a lot of goodwill. So they were like, sure, you can take the time that you need. And so I took the time and then COVID happened. And not only did COVID happen, but I also realized I was pregnant. Yeah, I was going to so, say, then you got uh, pregnant. <laughs> then I got pregnant. So between those two, um, I have to say, like, I've recently been having conversations with my with my job about what returning would look like. And at this point, it would probably just make sense to wait till after the babies. So um, that's kind of, you know, what I'm looking at is like, after the babies are here, I'll figure out how to go back to balancing both, just because they serve. I love both. And I know it's hard for a lot of, you know, a lot of people want to leave their traditional job to do like their own thing. Um, but that's like, it's been very hard for me not having the, you know, like, I actually really care about my colleagues and my boss, and I care about the work and what we were trying to do. So yeah, I'm trying to figure that out. I'm still trying to figure that out. I want to talk about your travel and obviously your pregnancy in a second, but I also want to yeah. dive into a little bit more about yeah. why you work two jobs because that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so many people, is it is it like deep down, is it a fear of being your own boss or is it truly just you love your nine to five and that's the culture you want to continue in your life because with your following and your, you know, your following, you could, you could very easily be a full-time, you know, do this full-time. Yes. I will admit there is financially, I could do the social stuff full-time. I do not need it's So the real reason has honestly been like, I feel like different parts of my brain are triggered and it's like, um, and they feed, they, they really help serve the other. Um, there's, parts of being a creator that can be very not isolation was the word I'm looking for you you work alone a lot like on your computer there's not really a community there's not really um you know and I like that and I think that I remember the first 
month or so or a little bit when I wasn't going into the office I was still like on the text message with everybody like what's going on over there like I I, I kind of really I really enjoy the work that we did I, I if this was prior to moving from litigation to compliance I probably would not have gone back because I was never that fond of litigation but once I started doing the specific work around compliance um, that was the first time where professionally I actually felt very happy, not just about the work I was doing, but the people I was working with and what I was producing. I felt super valuable. I felt like all my education was being used. And so sometimes the social media work, the travel and all of that just doesn't fulfill some of that other stuff. And so I, I felt like I'm a better person when I do both. It did become really hard. And I still don't know realistically because now I'm also going into a new chapter. I'm going to have twins. Like realistically, what will I be able to do? And I may have to give something up. Uh, but, you know, I'll figure that out when I get there. But um, I that's yeah. a really good that's a really good lesson because um, we've always advocated for women being multi-hyphenates and having diverse interests and not having to be so uh, zoned in on one particular part of their life and have that identify their whole being. And it's something that I've struggled with because I think we're taught as, as, um, as we grow up that we do have to do one thing and one profession and one career your whole life. And it's really daunting for those that one don't really know what that purpose is or whatever the fuck they call it, where it's like you're Mm -hmm. guiding light. It's like, no, you kind of just do a bunch of stuff and you figure it out and you kind of, you take and leave what you can. But, um, I can relate to that in that, you know, on this podcast, we're obviously very silly and it's a creative outlet for me in terms of also social media, but then we both work full-time jobs. Um, I work in tech and it's, it completely feeds an, a whole different side of my brain. And I don't want to ever give that up because that, that is, it just, it, it completes me. It's, I'm not just this one dimensional thing. But it's, it's so interesting, like multi-hyphenate, yes, but it's so interesting to find someone because usually when you have like a, a, a hustle that is where you're the boss, you don't want to work for anybody else. So you really, you usually find people with one brain or the other. I'm the, I'm, I'm the boss one. And so it's interesting to see, to see both play out so well and so successfully. It's, it's actually nice to have some decisions where I am not, you know, because all the other ones is like, they start to weigh on you and then I can go somewhere and really just be responsible for executing something. You know, I get to sit at a table and we come up with a game plan and then it's just about execution and making sure things work right as opposed to, oh my God, I'm going to live and die by all my decisions for my personal business. So, you know, and I think the key is that we are a variety. Who decided that we have to be just one thing? Like we, you know, I eat different food. I change my mind about what I want. Like there's, I should be able to experience a work day. There's some work days where honestly, I don't want to do social media stuff. There's just some days where that's not where my head's at. And I would rather be sitting with people talking about like a solution to improve, you know, services that we're offering to, you know, to clients. And it's, it's, it's just nice. But um, I know that again, there's, there are only 24 hours in a day. And so there, there comes a point in a lot of people's lives where they have to kind of decide like, how do I make sure that, 
you know, one thing doesn't suffer because of the other and how do I maintain balance? And for, uh, for me now and my husband is like, how do we do all of that in the context of family um, and of having children? So it's new, it's exciting, and but I'm sure we'll figure it out. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about all of your travels. So you mentioned that you got all these opportunities. You're going to Dubai. Kind of talk about how that started. Did you just kind of document personal travels and then brands started coming to you? Yes. How did that work? It really we're, started. We're asking for a friend I, because yeah. I mean, <laughs> we'd let, yeah, like, yes. we know someone who wants to go to Dubai. This is, I, I get this question so much. I think travel is a space where there's a lot of people who love to want to travel. And then when they see that there's folks that can either get things comped or get paid to travel, they're like, wait, how do you do that? Yeah. So I always get questions about how did you do that? And the reality is I think there probably were about five years where I was traveling on my dime and I was traveling on my dime, my time. And I was sharing those stories on my blog. And then I, it went from my blog to Instagram where I started sharing them. I started putting things on Pinterest and pinning them. And so all of a sudden I realized that there's people who are invested in my travels and my travel stories. And so I remember the first time I did a pitch, this is before I even understood that I was making a pitch to me, it was just an email. Like I literally sent an email like, Oh, Hey, I have like, I don't know if I had like 5,000 followers. I doubt I even had that many. It was like, oh, hey, I have this really small but dedicated audience that loves to travel the same as I do. And I would love to come to, I think this was a pitch to a hotel, you know. And so I started making those pitches and I created like a little email, email template. And all of a sudden I was getting like a response rate. It wasn't like amazing, but it was like 20%, like decent enough where... People were like, oh, yeah, sure, you know, we'll comp you, come over. And then I was like, wait, if I can pitch hotels, like, can I pitch airlines? Can I pitch, you know, um, trains? And so I remember I had a trip, to, uh, I was going to Italy, and I was like, you know what would be great? I should send an email to Euro, what they call that train that runs, why am I forgetting? I'm all bouge now. Euro, Euro, Euroline, Eurotrain, Euroline, yeah, is it Eurail, Eurail, I think it's Eurail, Eurail, because yeah, exactly. They they have all the trains that go to all the, and I was like, oh, if you guys could sponsor like uh, unlimited, they have like a certain number, like a country pass where you get to like go to different places, and I reached out to them, and they did. They were like, yeah, sure, we'll get you a pass, and you can go to as many countries as you need to go to over a period of time. So it was trial and I was guessing. I didn't know what I was doing. And I promise you what really happens is with each one, I got better at how I presented myself. And with each one, I had the experience with the past place to put on my CV because it was like, I've worked with Euro. I've worked with this hotel and look at what we did and look at the post I did. And so, you know, I started getting like more hits in terms of a response rate. And then in 2016, I really think things shifted because it went from me reaching out to like opening my email and seeing invitations. And then you're like, what? Your yeah, husband is stoked. You're like, I've made it. Come see my email. This airline wants to do this or this hotel brand wants to do this or, you know, and I remember also in the beginning, I was so conservative about who I reached out to. I was like, you know, I shouldn't try to go for any of these high-end places because I'm not at that level. So let me try to go for like 
you know, like the, you know, okay. So in the beginning, I'm like, let me not, you know, aim too high and, you know, try, let, let me just try to work with like some everyday brands, you know, don't try to go to the super fancy places. And I sent out a bunch of emails. I think this was actually when I was going to Marrakesh, I was going to Morocco. So I looked for all these hotels that were brand new, just opened, didn't really have a following. I'm like, okay, I'm going to send stuff to them. Mm -hmm. My husband is like, why aren't you sending it to some of the best hotels they have in Marrakesh? I was like, do you see these hotels? Some of these are thousands of dollars a night. I'm not pitching to them. They, they like, guess what? They're like, sure, come, we're going to cover everything. You should never like count yourself out. Like you just really have to push. If I, if he didn't tell me to like send those emails, I would have been sitting here thinking like, but they would never, they would never. And yeah, I had some of the most amazing experiences, completely calm. They were so warm and welcoming. They were like, yes, what do you need to capture? Where do you need to go? So that's my lesson to anyone who ever thinks like, oh, it's too big for me or it's too, don't, don't do that. Let them say no, because that's the yeah. worst that could happen. That's what you we know. say with podcasting. We always say like, just because you think you're at a certain level doesn't mean you can't talk to people that are your girl crushes or that you're, re you know what I mean? Just reach out. And if they say no, then you've developed a relationship over email and you can revisit in a year or so, you know, it, it never hurts to make the connection. Yep. Believe never us, hurts. like when we started, we were reaching out to our top, top reaches and honestly, most of them came on the podcast like with you see you just it's it's yeah it's not selling yourself too short it's knowing your worth and just being like fuck yeah I should I should reach out to these people and I think the, you might have this like fear of them being like nah, like you, you whatever like look at this girl thinking that she can whatever but it that's that doesn't matter that who, who cares it's they'll either, forget about that by the next day exactly. anyways so just they'll say no if it's not a fit and you on to the next. But I do want to highlight that you were traveling on your own dime for years to get to this point. So I think that's very worth talking about that it wasn't just, oh, I'm on Instagram and, and now I'm traveling to Mar Marrakesh and Dubai. So it does take a very long time to garner up that kind of that following and that that trust with other brands in that sense. Exactly. Because they see that I showed up with like she's been doing this. You know, and I think, unfortunately, I have people who ask me questions and reach out. And so I like go to their page or I go to see what they've done. And I'm like, you want to establish kind of bu you're building your CV. It's a CV. It's your resume. You want to establish that you're so interested in something that you've already done all this legwork. And it's not like you're just trying to get something for free. Because unfortunately, in this space, there's a lot of people who see influencers and bloggers as, as just these insanely vain people who just want like free stuff you know and don't really want to work for it and um I think a lot of the people that I really admire the people that inspire me people I follow they work really hard it's nothing you know they didn't get anything like handed to them it's it's real work so yeah amen yeah. We, we've been learning yeah. well you've been learning that I think through yeah. the podcast sphere yeah because we mm. I mean our Instagram, it was the first time I've ever used Instagram as a business. And mm -hmm. it, it was such a strange shift in my mind because I was also on the, that other side of kind of judging influencers or judging uh, creators because I thought 
I really did think that about them. And then once you're put in a position where you need to grow an Instagram and treat it like a business, it is work. Oh, it my is gosh. work. It's so much work. And it's, it's unfortunate that people are like, you say that and they want to roll their eyes at you. Yeah. I think the only ever time where people understand is other folks who are doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate when I, which is kind of nice to have the community because you can say these things without someone rolling their eyes, but right. also being someone that moves in both worlds. I remember I was at a meeting with a colleague um, and this is in my, you know, other world, my other life. And they know what I'm doing because it's public. So I think at the beginning, I was, there was a slight embarrassment because I felt like, oh, no one can take me seriously as an attorney because I'm out here taking fun, colorful pictures in different places and fun outfits. They must think I'm just so like superficial and vapid or whatever. And it took a while for me to own it and to really feel like be proud of what I was doing. And I remember at a meeting, something about me being like, oh, she's always traveling, came up. And I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah. And, and I was like, tonight, I have a lot of work to do. They're like, you have a lot of work to do? Like, they really didn't, be- you know, it didn't register that it was work. They're like, yeah, you get to travel and stay in nice places. I would take that job, too. And I, I you know, I learned to just kind of like let that go because people will think of things the way they want to. I know the reality. I know what I'm doing. Um, I do think some folks have gotten a better appreciation for what I do because, you know, um, at least it, my, my colleagues and my coworkers. But yeah, you can't be, I can't be bothered with what people think because they'll think what they want to think. Wow, that's a hard lesson to learn. That is for sure. I was at a wedding and someone was like, what do influencers even do? And I had had a few glasses of wine at that point. And I was like, let me fucking tell you. And I made up a mock schedule of an influencer. And I was like, 8 a.m. This happens. 830. This happens. And he's like, oh, that's actually a lot. I'm like, yeah, asshole. It's a lot. And I'm not even like, (laughs) like, I mean, we were in the content creation game, but we're not Instagram influencers in that sense but it's just and we were also talking which I love saying or I don't love saying it but it's an interesting point to say that Liv Prez who we had on said that if the influencer space was male dominated no one would make fun of it the way that they make fun of um, the fact it's just because you know if a female dominated industry that is probably worth a billion dollars I mean that's not something to laugh at it's nothing to laugh at all and I think that's also extremely true I think that because it's a lot of women and I, I also think people just, they don't like, they don't look beneath the surface. It's, it's very easy because what you tend to see with social and the work that people put on a blog or even the final product of the podcast or the final product, when you see the final product, they think it's just, there's such ease. And maybe that's because we make it look so easy. You know, it's all polished and wrapped up and no one knows oh, there was editing and there was scheduling and there was putting the, you know, there's all these things that have to happen before you get to a finished product. And, you know, thank you for thinking that it was, you know, so easy. But, you know, if I go to, if I'm covering a hotel, my first, as soon as I get to a hotel, my first four hours or so are spent scouting, checking out everything they have, figuring out a schedule of what the light looks like, when I can shoot, which part of the location, what will look best when, and you know, the hotels expect that. And I think in the beginning I had a hotel that thought that I could just show up and just like 
get all these imagery like we want 15 images like this and then we want this and I was like you know like I can't get to your hotel at 4 p.m and then deliver all of that to you there's there's a whole process if you want quality it takes time it may just seem like it's a picture but if it was just a picture you could have just taken it yourself like you didn't need to get me here to do that but if you want me to share imagery that's representative of what I do then I'm telling you that it, it takes its work and it takes time. And I, and I wanted, I more than anyone wanted to be good. You know, and I think that's a lot of it. A lot of what happens with folks that, you know, when you work for yourself, you, the pressure you put on yourself is way more than anybody could put on you. Like you want it to be so tight, you know, like I want it to be really good. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. So tell us about some of your favorite places that you have been recently. Oh my god! Make recently. us jealous. For the record, I have pregnancy brain, so disclaimer, disclaimer. My memory is not working that well, but I'm gonna start with one. And oh, I'm like even gonna plug it. Like if you ever do go to my Instagram, there's a highlight called Comporta. Comporta in Portugal has to be one of my most favorite places that I've been to recently. I don't know why it took me so long to go to Portugal been to Spain a couple of times and done a lot of the other places in Europe multiple times but I definitely want to highlight Comporta it's a tiny small town beach town um about, is it about an hour it's not that far from Lisbon you can rent a car and drive it you can get an uber but just know if you get an uber to get there there's no ubers to bring you back yeah because there's no ubers in the town so you can get an uber but you can't get out and so we were like oh snap we had to go through a lot of gymnastics to get out of the town so i think renting a car is best so that was a beaut that was just beautiful um also i really enjoyed buenos aires it took me a long time i haven't done as much of south america as i would love to uh buenos aires was one of was actually my last trip before we landed and then like three days later we started the lockdown so oh, well, while timing. I was, yeah, while I was in Buenos Aires, um, they, there was all this news about it was getting worse. It was, you know, coronavirus is getting worse. We had all the stories about what was happening um, specifically in Italy. And, you know, for the first time I really got nervous, but I really did find Buenos Aires to be so charming and so diverse, maybe not racially diverse, but diverse in many other ways. Um, and again, that's something like I covered a lot about. Um, and I also really love, um, depending on what you're looking for, I love Cartagena in Colombia. That, that was another highlight. I, I tend to love a lot of places because I just generally love exposure to people, to culture, to history, architecture, all this stuff that's different, I tend to find very exciting. It's really rare. I have like maybe four places I've been to that I wouldn't recommend. And just because I didn't enjoy them, it doesn't mean that somebody else won't. So I tend to not like tell people that. Like I wouldn't be like, oh, I don't recommend. Like, but in my head, I'm like, I'm not going back there. Like in my head, I'm like, I don't. But most places, if you are open to what travel brings, there's, there's, there's like, you know, there's, there's experiences in all these places. So, you know, I could, I could give you like t 10 to 20 places if you let me keep going, but I'm just going to stop right <laughs> no, there. That's I mean, yeah. Um, oh, now I just like, I don't even know why we asked that question because now I'm like itching to travel and we cannot even move and it's just yes, so tell unfortunate. Me about it. 
2021. I'm not good at travel, so I don't really, I mean, I can, like, if I'm going to travel, it's got to be in pretty close vicinity. I'm not, I'm not good at, like, going to Europe. You know, like, long flights? It's not the flights. It's just, I, 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 I have bipolar disorder, and when I go on long flights and get my sleep schedule messed up and stuff like that, I just get so anxious. Like, I literally, we went to Paris, and I just I had to walk out of nice restaurants left and right because I was having anxiety attacks, and it's just not it's just not worth it. Like, it's not a fun experience for me, and that sucks, but I can do Mexico because I'm in San Diego. Like, Mexico's easy for me. Love going to Mexico. Um, I mean, I say that to people all the time. Like, you don't have to go far to mm-hmm. travel. Because yeah. the whole point is just, you know, like I always, some people are like, oh, how do I do? It's like, you could travel. I do a lot of local travel. I do a lot of just, you know, up here, the Northeast. I, you know, I love going to Rhode Island. I love going to like, there's a lot of places even nearby. So I think if you want to just switch things up and have an experience, it doesn't require that you're on like a 25 hour flight for you to have a unique travel experience it's so true I mean Los Angeles is really good for that too there's tons of weekend getaways it's something that I I love to do on the weekends you can just literally take two hours and be in Palm Springs or Ojai or Santa Barbara or San Diego like it is surrounded by just like completely different types of environments and it's really good to just take yourself I mean you live in the city you live in New York City so it's just like taking yourself out of that and giving yourself a little break from your reality is is really soothing I think it's a it's a healing thing it is and I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of like localized travel especially in this like this COVID era and which which is great because there are like local like you know hotels and places that it will be great with everything that has happened and with the economy to like support Mm -hmm. them. And I'm actually looking for places like that, weekend getaways, places I could drive to. Um, You guys have a lot though out there in in Cali, I have to say. Um, And it's so different. I was freezing in San Fran and I was in shock Mm -hmm. because I didn't realize, first of all, first of all, they told me, they call it, you. they know you're from out of town when you say San Fran, you're supposed to say, (laughs) <laughs> San Francisco or is it S- uh, what SF. do you guys say SF, SF. yeah yeah so but <laughs> I had I no that. idea how cold it gets and it was what month was this I don't remember what month but it was hotter in New York I was like, mm-hmm. like I thought I was coming to Cali yeah. I no, no, no. so like Punt. <laughs> Northern Cal is so different from SoCal. It's a complete like when you think of California, you think of SoCal. That's probably what you yeah. thought weather-wise. Is SoCal. Yeah, it was still beautiful and great, but I'm just saying like you can be like in this, you know, like in the same state and experience like completely different things. Yeah. Exactly. Which, yeah. Should we ask our favorite question? Yes. Okay, so before yeah. we let you leave, I don't know it's yeah. late for you right now. Okay, we love asking all of our guests this as we wrap up our episodes. Um, If you could brag about one thing and don't be humble, be arrogant, dude. What would you brag about? Oh, my God. I should have thought about this. We don't Um, tell people beforehand. (laughs) If I could brag about one thing about myself. Yep. It could be career, personal, Um, anything. I, I think. Oh, and you say don't be humble. You gotta Don't be like, humble. You gotta brag. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm good at coming up with strategies. I'm a very, and I think maybe it's because I've had a lot of time being analytical, but I really trust 
my brain when it comes to like coming up with a game plan and a strategy to tackle anything. There's like never any problem where I'm stressed out about like figuring it out. So being strategic, I, I really think that that's like the top thing I have going for me because I can go into a meeting and I'm like, all right, what's the problem? And let's start like, let's start putting this together and how we're going to figure it out. So I, oh, I pride myself yeah. on that. I use that in everything. I use that even at home. Like, for example, we're not moving as soon as we thought we were because of COVID. Because um, we, we bought a house and we're doing renovation. So like, there's so much that we've had to kind of sort out, not just with the house, but with the babies and the apartment. And it's like, to me, that's almost like when I... I get like, I kind of turn on and it's like, all right, we're going to sort this out. Give me a pen and paper. And I'm old school like that. I zoom a strategy, pen and paper. We're going to figure this out. So I'm really, I think that I do that really, really well. I love that. I love that. Okay. Tell everybody where they can find you, follow you, all the good stuff. Ooh, you can definitely find me. If you want lots of detail, go to simplysin.com, which is my blog. And you get like longer stories. You get a lot of context. If you want to get like a highlight reel of what I'm up to, then you can find me on Instagram and that is at Simply Sin. Um, and honestly, those are my two favorite places where you could find me and they kind of link to everything else that I'm doing. So yeah, check out the blog, check me out on Instagram and uh, I'm excited to like, I'm excited for all of this and for what's next, you know. Yay. I think I think 2020 is just, you know, it's necessary that we go through this because I'm so hopeful for what 2021 is going to be like, you know, so, yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on and you can find us at OKSIS Podcast. Bye, sisters. Hey there, I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. If there's one thing I know from both my personal and clinical experience, it's that we are really good at comparing ourselves to others. We tend to get stuck in the unhelpful narratives that play on repeat in our minds, and we struggle to set boundaries and create healthy love. Each week, I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife, mother, and business owner to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Tune in every Thursday to I'm Not Your Shrink wherever you listen to podcasts. While I'm not your shrink, I am still human and I'm excited for us to be in our vulnerability and humanness together. 